Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing people that's nothing to do with school marketing because you work hard enough already. Now, I'm Simon, former marketing manager turned owner of the Bonjour Agency, the place for school marketing managers. In each episode on this podcast, I speak to someone in the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. In this episode, we're tucking ourselves into the southeast of the UK for a conversation in Kent with Sarah Kershaw. Sarah used to be in charge of marketing at Ashford School, but now she's working independently in a freelance capacity, working with schools. She's going to talk about what her day looks like working from home, what a typical week looks like, how she keeps herself busy, and an interesting leisure activity she's discovered as a way to stay fit and healthy. I was intrigued to hear about that, and I think you might be too. That's all coming up now as we thunder around the M25 and down the M20 to speak to the person herself. It's Sarah Kershaw. Sarah, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of I'd Rather Be at the Beach. How are you today? I'm good, Simon. Thank you. I um, dropped the kids off at school. I've locked the dogs away and I'm just sat at my desk now. It's raining outside, unfortunately, but because my garden is completely dry and brown at the moment, I'm even rejoicing the rain this morning. Fantastic. So set the scene for us. It sounds then like you're in a home office right now. So clearly you're in home instead of in school. Tell us what you can see around you. What's going on in your world here today? Yep, yep. I so I'm working from home at the moment. Um, I'm sat I'm sat in my office, which um, I also share with my three daughters when they're not at school. So uh, my corner of the room is really neat and tidy and really professional. And I always make sure that the space behind me again is very nice and clear because I'm quite often on Zoom calls or Teams calls. But seriously, if you look one meter to my left, it is an absolute um, mess. Um, I had to be careful not to mm-hmm. swear there because I swear. At lot of my children about the mess that they leave around (laughs) because when I am not working I invariably am picking up their rubbish um but yeah Mm. so I'm sat in my home office um I am I'm working for um, a couple of clients at the moment so I do go in and see them and spend time in their offices or their schools Um, but today I'm at home um we live um we live we're quite in a rural position so I'm sort of surrounded by fields and countryside which um, is lovely um, because when it comes to lunch times and stuff I can get out and go for a good walk um, obviously mm, not so good mm. for um, the weekends and party time because getting taxis is <laughs> a necessity and we can't stumble back from anywhere but yeah on the whole um, it's pretty good. Well I'm super glad to hear you talking about sort of looking after your background for Zoom calls and stuff like that. It's something I'm passionate about, about, you know, just making sure that people look as good as possible when they're on a Zoom call or Teams or whatever they're using. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, now, tell us a bit about uh, about the work that you're doing without talking too much about work, because you were at Ashford School and now you're not there. So so just tell us sort of what you're doing with your career and your life right now. What you know, what, where is Sarah Kershaw right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I I was at Ashford School for four years, um, just over four years. um, And um, back in the springtime, I I left the school and I became an independent consultant. So I'm now working for, I've got four clients at the moment, all in education and marketing. And 
I'm I'm helping my clients with research, with strategy. Um, I don't really want to get too much involved in the implementation of marketing campaigns, but I want to sort of help them strategize and move forward. Um, so yeah, mm. I've got four clients at the moment um, and uh, it's all going well. And is this something you'd done before you were working at Ashford School or is this your first time of sort of working independently, working for yourself? Uh, no, no, yeah. So before Ashford School, I, I was actually, I think it was about 13 or 14 years, I was a freelancer. So I was always employed. I mean, when I used to work, I, we used to live in London and I worked in London and I was a full-time employee. Um, and then when I had my first baby, I basically decided I didn't want to be employed anymore and I wanted to go freelance and manage my own time really and pick and choose the projects that I worked on so I Mm. I went freelance then and I I managed for you know freelancing for about 14 years and then it was only really when I started freelancing at Ashford School that they then approached me and offered me a job and at that point it was a bit of a shock really because I thought oh gosh um, I haven't actually Mm -hmm. been employed by anybody (laughs) for a long time but I did and I mean Mm. it worked really well Um, but it also meant that I wasn't particularly worried when I decided that I didn't want to be employed anymore that I wanted to be self-employed um I knew I'd done it before Mm. so uh so yeah because uh, I'm thinking that there are various marketing managers throughout the UK who are working for schools right now who love the idea of working for themselves but it is a fairly big leap if you've never done it before so that that's that's kind of why I was asking you because you sort of sounded like you were taking it in your stride you know you were at Ashford School for four years and 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 then you left there and now you've got four clients so I'm not surprised to hear you say that you were doing it before, but what would you say to anybody, anyone who's listening to this, who's maybe thinking, you know, I've been employed at the school that I'm working at for the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. I'd love to go fully independent and just be freelance or self-employed, but I'm just a bit nervous about how to pay the bills and possible recession coming up and, you know, ooh, a bit scared about the whole thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was a bit of a leap of faith um, because, you know, the school that I worked at, and I'm sure a lot of people, if they've got children that go to the school, then you potentially would benefit from fee discounts and that sort of thing. So it was a big decision for me and and, um, one that I didn't take too lightly, but I just felt like the time had come, got sort of come. And I, I also, you know, I know quite a lot of people in the industry and I'd sort of voiced my opinion to a couple of people who sort of expressed interest in employing me and saying, oh, yeah, that would, you know, we'd be interested. So uh, so I sort of just decided that it was now or never. And I also had one of my best friends is a real sort of, she's a real motivator and she practically called me up every day and she was like, come on, Sarah, come on, Sarah, you can do it, you can do it, you won't regret it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And and I she, it, I'm probably making it sound out like it was a bigger move than it was, but in the end I decided to, um, and, you know, very fortunately, Ashford School, just, you know, they kept me on as a consultant for them for a couple of days a week um, for a few months, which uh, which massively helped me out while I got established. Um, and it also meant that, you know, I wasn't just then, you know, leaving all the work that I'd built, I was able to hand over really properly. So in a way, it's, I sort of won on all counts there, really. And I would just say, um, you have to be confident, line a few ducks up in a row beforehand, um, and and then you've just got to go for it. And, you know, my husband was supporting me. You know, I, I do still have to earn. Unfortunately, I, I did have visions at one point of taking a few months off, but he quickly told me that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I just had to get on with it, really. Fantastic. So tell me then a bit about how a typical week looks uh, for you, because sometimes when people were employed and then they're working for themselves, 
they they can end up working sort of 20 hours out of 24 hours uh, but then they might have had ideas of sort of working Mondays and Tuesdays and then taking Wednesdays off and going to the gym and walking the dog and that kind of thing but how does it look in reality for you? Yeah, I, I think probably I was the same in that I thought that I might manage, you know, a whole day off one day a week. But that that hasn't happened at all. And But I almost think that that's a good thing because the projects that I am working on, they really do quite excite me. So I, I want to check my emails and I want to follow up and I want to sort of move forward with them all. So I do tend to say, you know, I would say that I check my emails you know, every day. And also working for four clients, you know, I have to try and spread it out because I don't want any one of them to have to wait a couple of days until it's their turn. So I, you know, I try to manage them all at the same time. But obviously, then there are days when you're in school or you're um, in an office and uh, you then can't sort of deal with other clients at the time. But it's just about managing. But I would say a typical day. I mean, I, I am finding that, you know, I have more time, um, obviously, at home because I'm working from home, but I do have more time to myself because I've cut out a bit of a commute. Um, I'm making sure that I walk my dog. I um, a lot more. My dogs are much happier the time around more. So, so in my typical day, what it, what I would say is that I, I am able to manage my own time. And, you know, I actually don't mind working late at night or, or working around my children if they're at sports fixtures and going to be late one night and I can work then. Then I won't have any kind of guilt not working or logging on at nine o'clock the next morning. I uh, meet my friends for lunch occasionally, which is lovely. I mean, a lot of them are working. And so that's a bit of a treat for everybody. But I would just say it's much easier easier to manage my time. Um, one of the things that I also find being a freelancer and now managing my own time is that I get more thinking time. So I actually sometimes feel that I'm quite creative when I am out walking the dog or when I'm down the beach or, or something like that. And so actually, I think maybe the quality of my work and the ideas I have probably, um, you know, benefit from that. Mm. Are you an early riser in the morning? I mean, what, what, what's your what, what's your most productive time of the day? Because some, some people find that between six and nine in the morning is perfect for them. Other people, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that, that sometimes you work at night time. When, when's the best time of day for you to work? And what time do you get up in the morning? Yeah, I'm definitely not a morning person. I'm I'm I work late. So I, I quite often wouldn't go to bed till midnight sometimes after midnight and now I have to say I know that this is a bit of a side thing but now that Wordle is around if I'm not awake at midnight I make sure I am awake at midnight so that I can be the first in my family to do the Wordle <laughs> so, which I know is really sad awesome <laughs> I would say that I'm productive in the evenings um I you know everybody in my family is sorted and then quite often I'll sit in my office and I'll work you know nine till midnight um and just get things done and and actually sometimes that's a good time as well because you're not being bombarded with emails um and you can actually just crack on and get that piece of work that you're trying to do finished um so I do like working in the evenings now, you've told us about your family. You mentioned your husband. You mentioned your children as well. Just give us an idea about what your family looks like. How old are your children, for example? Yes, I've got three daughters, um, three teenage daughters now. Um, so they are 13, 16 and 17. Well, they're all firecrackers. They they do so much. They are very energetic. Um, they're, they're fun to be around, but also, you know, it can be quite stressful in the household when, you know, they're fighting over what clothes they're going to wear and who's going to borrow what and who's going to be in the bathroom first and that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, they're all sporty. They're all quite outdoorsy um, and they're a lot of fun to be 
be around, especially at weekends. And then I have, mm. you know, my husband, we've been married, we're just about to, I think it's 19 years, um, which, God, I hate saying that because it makes me sound really old. But um, <laughs> we, um, we, yeah, we've been married for 19 years. And um, he, he actually commutes. I mean, so he gets up 5.30 every morning. He has to be a morning person. Um, he commutes up to Croydon every day. Um, it's a two-hour commute. And then he usually gets home at about, 8, 8.30. So in the week, I feel pretty much like a single parent, really. Um, although the girls are older now, so they do pretty much look after themselves. But um, obviously, I'm the one that really can only do the ferrying and the taxiing in the evenings to all their matches and their fixtures. Um, the great thing about it is, though, that because I think Matt, my husband, appreciates that he is away most of the week, he is very hands-on and a full-time family man at weekends. And you know, he he does go out with his mates occasionally, but, you know, really he's sort of there to help me and, you know, help the girls get to their hockey matches, netball matches, gymnastics competitions, all of those things that we tend to do at weekends. So uh, the other thing as well is that he's also developed a real love for cooking. So on Sundays now, he will do the cooking and the roast dinner, which I just love. Oh, very good. Very good. But Croydon, that's that's a pretty, that's a, I mean, you mentioned that's a two hour commute. I mean, how does he, how does he fill his time when he's commuting or is that in the car the whole time? No, he gets the train. Um, and I mean, he, he's very disciplined. So he gets the train in the morning. He works for the two hours that he gets up, you know, traveling up there. Um, and then he, he works on the way back as well. He, he's also a big runner. So um, he, he also fits in a run every day. And he's, um, he's on this ridiculous streak at the moment. I think he's run something like 700 days or something in a row. So he also manages to fit a run in every day, which I just think is absolutely bonkers. But um, yeah, he just does. It. He's very disciplined. Wow. So there's someone who gets up early, works for two hours on the train on the way to work, does a full day at work, works on the way home, I think he said, goes out for a run and then cooks at the weekend. Does this guy ever stop at all? <laughs> yeah, I know. Makes you feel really bad, doesn't it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> makes you feel really lazy <laughs> but no that's that's what he's like that's what he's like so uh yeah and actually it's quite nice that he's away in the week as well because otherwise I think we'd all be absolutely exhausted if he was around more <laughs> Sarah tell us a couple of things that you're into when you're when you're not working when you're not uh dealing with schools and when you're not ferrying children around um you mentioned that Matt likes to cook on a Sunday uh, what what kind of things do you enjoy doing when you're not in work world so, yeah, I mean, I was going to say a lot of my time is spent taxiing them around. But um, one of the things that I've really got into recently is um, wild swimming. So I started back in January and um, I we're about half an hour away from the coast. And I've sort of become a bit addicted, really. So when I can, I whip down to Hyde or Sandgate or Folkestone and, and just go for a swim in the sea. And um, I quite like it when it's a bit rough and choppy. And I like it when it's really cold as well, which I know is a bit weird. And especially people that haven't done it always sort of think, oh, God, I can't think of anything worse. But honestly, once you've done it a few times, you do become addicted. And, you know, I started back in January when I was working full time in the week and, um, you know, a demanding job that wouldn't really allow me down in the evenings or anything like that. But, um, you know, it got to the stage where I'd go at the weekends and I literally would be desperate to go the following week and just really enjoy that feeling of, you know, the adrenaline pumping. 
so so yeah I, I've got into sort of my wild swimming um, and every time I go to a match or I go on holiday I always have my stuff in the back so I try and get a swim and there's a there's a really cool app on Facebook actually called the open water swimming app and if I'm in a new place and I've got a few hours to kill I just put on the app where I am and somebody will recommend somewhere where I can go and swim and uh, I love that sort of mm. feeling of it's like a little adventure my own little adventure doing it on my own none of my family think I'm nuts I manage to get one or two of them in occasionally but that's probably when they're feeling guilty they're not into it at all so I suppose that's sort of one of the things that I do for myself really yeah, I, I guess it means that every time you go swimming, it, you're you're in a different location. It's a different experience, and like you say, a bit of an adventure each time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, you know, I've now swum in some absolutely beautiful places, and you know, it's just made me realise that you don't necessarily have to have a gym membership and do monotonous exercise. You can sort of make it quite fun as well. And you know, I actually love it when I get to somewhere where you really can swim. So you know, I can swim like. Oh, good half an hour 45 minutes um and then get out and wrap up and just I usually just drive home really dirty and minging <laughs> but uh, that's mm-hmm. that's what, what I quite like doing now you mentioned holidays in there as well tell us about what a good holiday might be for for, for you and Matt if, if the pair of you were going away for a weekend somewhere where would you both go well, to be honest, um, we've been thinking about this and I don't know, I've got a bit of a love for Italy at the moment. I've, I've been on a few sort of like long weekends and I've only been to Italy for a week, but I, I'd love the different cities in Italy. Some We'd love going where we can walk around, where there's lovely restaurants, lovely bars, um, something, you know, if we were going away for a weekend, I'd definitely want to go and sort of visit places, beautiful places that um, we can sit and enjoy and then how about if you're going away for, say, two weeks, the pair of you together? Where would you go then? Oh my God, that is just an alien thought because we just have never done that for so long. Um, <laughs> right, well, we, if it was for two weeks, then we probably would go further afield. We both love the heat, so we'd go somewhere sunny, but we'd have to be on a coast so that we could do lots of water sports. Um, we're both active. Mm. We both like doing that. And, um, and then equally, if we can then come out of the water and have a lovely cocktail on a white beach somewhere. <laughs> That's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's something to look forward to in the future. Maybe after the girls have, have gone to university or, or left and gone to do whatever they want to do. Uh, in the meantime, then, what would be a good family holiday for all, for all five of you? We've been away a couple of times this summer, actually, and um, we went to Sicily for a week, which was absolutely lovely. And I have to say that was pretty ideal because we we went with another family who had children the same age as our children and so it just meant that you know they they had entertainment they had people their own age that they could hang out with and although we love our family time I think that they're now getting to the age where they they do want to sort of spread their wings a bit and mum and dad are a bit uncool so you know we we'd go to a lovely village and you know they could go off and they'd tell us they're going for ice cream but then we'd find them like half an hour later in some square chatting to some boys or something so uh, (laughs) but um you know I it's quite nice really that they can get get a bit of independence so I would say um going away with friends is lovely because I think that that would keep them happy and then obviously Matt and I you know we're really sociable so um if we went somewhere again warm where there was plenty of restaurants um and with friends that we could just chill out with that would be really lovely Mm. okay Sarah I'd love to jump back to when you were at school for a moment when when you were at school at whatever age you know whether you were 11 years old or 15 or, or 18 years old 
what was some of the music that you were into back then? What was your favorite singer, your favorite band? What were you listening to on your, I was going to say on your, <laughs> on your Walkman? I don't know how old you are actually <laughs> and whether you had a Walkman. <laughs> I, I did have a Walkman, um, but when I was much younger, so like when I was probably five or six, um, but so then I had CDs um, through my teens. Um, but uh, yeah, I, well, do you know what? I do remember a lot of sort of why don't you think back to school days and you think back to the music that accompanied those memories. Michael Jackson featured really heavily. Um, you know, mm. and I even remember doing DV expeditions and us all singing our heads off, um, Smooth Criminal and that sort of thing um, to Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and then I think, you know, we've probably the usual stuff, like Paul Young, Madonna, um yeah that sort of thing mm. and who would you listen to now i mean if I, if I picked up your phone and looked at your spotify playlist then what would i find on there <laughs> well i knew you were going to ask me about music and i said to my family oh my god what do i say because i'm really uncool about when it comes to music and uh <laughs> they said yeah be the, be yourself so this, I tell you what, this summer we went to the Radio 1 big, big weekend. So I listened to their playlist a lot and we saw people that I thought were quite good and my family then told me were really uncool. So people like George Ezra <laughs> and uh, Harry, Harry Styles, you can't call him uncool, but maybe he's uncool if you're my age. Um, and we then went to Latitude, um, the festival in Suffolk. And again, we saw a heap of people. And I mean, the final act was Snow Patrol. And then there was a guest appearance of Ed Sheeran. And I have to say, I mean, that was brilliant. So leading up to those two um, festival events, I was listening to their soundtrack the whole time because I was really determined that I'd get there and know who was who. But I'm just really bad when it comes to music. I like lots of music. But if you ask me who they are, I have no idea. And quite often when we're driving into school in the morning, I'll say, oh, this is really nice. Who sings this? And they'll say, oh, this is whoever. And literally the following morning, I'll hear the same song and I'll say, oh, this is really nice. Who's this? And they'll be like, mum, you asked this yesterday. Can't you remember? <laughs> and I just have a bit of a mental block. And I, I always play music. So when I'm at home, I, I put music on. But, you know, it could be anything from chart music to um, the Hamilton soundtrack. I just love it all, really. Mm. Oh, I tell you who I don't like. Nice. Um, we, went, <laughs> we went to um, at the Radio 1 Big Weekend wet leg were playing and my husband was like oh you've got to come to wet leg they're brilliant oh my god not my type not my cup of tea at all um but uh yeah so i'm not very cool when it comes to music at all wet, wet leg i've never heard of wet leg is, is that because i'm super uncool oh yeah probably they did that one song i think the only one called on the chaise long on the chaise long all day long that one <laughs> does that right. mean anything to you no absolutely <laughs> nothing at all <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody who's a wet leg fan. <laughs> I, I think you're probably in safe company. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's ironic, isn't it, that wet leg are the band that I can remember and they're the ones I don't like. <laughs> now, uh, you can tell a lot about people from looking at their Netflix playlist as well. So, so what would we see if we looked at your Netflix sort of recent history or something like that? So I don't watch huge amounts over the summer, but we... I did watch that Anatomy of a Scandal, which was very good. What else? Hmm, goodness me. 
yeah, I don't get a lot of say when it comes to the TV. We we oh we watched a lot of Modern Family, Glee, and Friends because we're in a house of teenagers. But when I get to time on my own, yeah, I, I'd like a good um, a good detective. I don't watch anything gory at all or anything hard hitting. I don't want anything about cruelty to children or anything like that. I like to be. I like to escape um, and and watch things that will really take me away from things. It's interesting that you mentioned Friends there because it's one of those programs that really has spanned generations. I mean, our generation watched it as as it was being released as we were growing up. But then quite often we find that our own kids, I mean, certainly my own children watch Friends quite a lot. Yeah, they do. Mine, mine absolutely love it. And I mean, you watch it back now and, you know, it's not overly PC anymore, but, um, you know, the humour in it is good. And uh, yeah, it's as you say, it's just, it's lasted the test of time. Mm-hmm. Sarah, we need to bring this episode to a close in a minute. If anyone's heard anything here and they want to find out more about Sarah Kershaw, how could they find you online? Oh, the best thing to do is to go to my LinkedIn profile. I, I'm on LinkedIn um, most days, um, just Sarah Kershaw. And yeah, contact me that way. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, we've put a link to your LinkedIn profile then in the show notes. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for being here. Thanks for giving up your time, especially when you're working for yourself. It's even more valuable uh, when you're working for yourself. Uh, so really appreciate you being here and opening up your life to us. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Simon. So that was Sarah Kershaw, no relation to Nick Kershaw, I did ask her, talking to us from a rainy home in Kent. Thank you, Sarah, for your time. Hope you managed to get out for a wild swim again soon. Now, you're still here listening to this podcast and maybe you listen to other podcasts too. So you might be wondering how you can use this concept as a way of marketing in your school. To find out more about podcasting for your own school marketing purposes, then come visit our website. It's www.thebonjouragency.com and you can find out more there. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. The next one's coming out soon. So click that option to follow or subscribe and it just means you won't miss out. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.